you're ready. Okay. Let me just say a word with uh, about Alan that uh, <clears throat> a year ago he when we were talking about <clears throat> discipleship and he wanted uh, somebody in his life to to work with him and uh, <clears throat> I told him well you know I'm going to be hard on you and he said that's what I want I want someone to be hard on me <clears throat> So, uh, if there's anybody that's going to miss him sorely, it's going to be me. Now, I didn't mean to do this. You need to... I want to cry here. I don't want to cry. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's a good thing that <clears throat> we have come to to know them. And I believe it with all my heart after knowing him for a year and working with him that Alan is going to be a tremendous man of God. <clears throat> He's going to be a man who is going to pray able to preach the truth of God's Word. And God's going to use him mightily. I do believe that to be true. Now I hope that doesn't just give you a big head, brother. <clears throat> but that you would take that in, the, in, the, in how I had presented it to you. Okay. Well, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles, or turn your Bibles open to... Genesis. <clears throat> now, I am teaching in the systematic theology class the creation on how that it is God who created the heavens and the earth. And that it is important for us to believe that. There are many in churches today who do not believe the Genesis account. And I'm talking about theologians. I'm talking about pastors who have a false understanding about creation. And that primarily the problem is time. Time. Many want to be able to say that the creation of the days was millions of years. But <clears throat> I won't get into the systematic part of it too much today because the reason why I'm teaching this is an allegory of creation and how it is based on the, or rather it is an allegory of the new creation. <clears throat> As this was sitting on my desk, the Spirit of God in, impressed on my heart that I needed to preach this. And I said, oh Lord, I'm teaching it. I'm teaching it uh, on systematic theology. I don't know whether these people want to hear a double portion of that. But I couldn't get peace about it. And so if you don't get peace about it, that means, well, you just do it. <clears throat> so I am doing it. The purpose of this allegory is to give you a greater insight into the new birth as to the relationship also of spiritual growth. You see this in creation in itself. The allegory of natural creation is compared to the new creation of being born again. It is the Lord who spoke creation into existence by the word of His mouth. Do you believe that? I hope that you do. But it cost Him His life for the new creation. A profound difference in what it took place in His life was that we 
are a new creation that is greater in significance than the old creation. The old creation is going to be passed away. It's going to be taken away. God is going to burn it up with fire. But we are not going to be burned up with fire. We're going to live with Him for all eternity. Now fathom that. I cannot. So let's read the first eight verses. And you probably would think in your mind, well that's not half, because you're going to be preaching on it next Sunday, so how are you going to be able to fit it in? In a big hurry. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Would you stand with me? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the the light day, and the darkness He called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the heavens, or the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Morning to morning is what is perceived here, and that's 24 hours. Not 24 billion years. Let's pray. Father, as we approach this subject, it is an awesome subject. It is something whereby we need to be able to look at and say, all of the canons of Scripture are inspired. And there isn't anything within the Word of God that is not inspired. It is not right for us or anybody else to read the Word of God with a penknife. They don't have the right to cut out something because they don't understand it. It is our responsibility as your children to study it out. Find out why it is there. Pray for the Spirit of God's illumination. Pray that He give us the insights. But not to just write it off as if it didn't even affect us. That if it even did not even take place. This is wrong. And Father, if there are others who are hearing this by the sound of my voice, may it strike them to know that God is the Creator. In Jesus' name, Amen. Creation begins with God. Now, the word God is Elohim. Elohim. It means plurality. Okay. When we think about Elohim, we have to understand that there are many who do not believe that Elohim means Trinity. And I will differ to with that. I know that there are many good theologians that say that is true. That is the plurality of gods, which is small g, and not plurality of God, which is three in one. And so you're probably wondering, well, do you have any proof of what you 
are saying, I am so glad you're wondering that because I'm going to give you proof. I'd like for you to turn to Psalms 33.6. I don't know how much detail I can really give here this morning because what we're going to do is look at the Septuagint a little bit. And I think that with the Septuagint it helps you to understand exactly what is being said in this passage of Scripture. But Psalms 33.6 says, By the word, and the Hebrew word for that is the bar, of the Lord Jehovah, the heavens were made, and the breath. Now who is the breath? That's the Spirit of God. That's Ruach. Ruach. Of His mouth all their host and all their host. Now, in the Septuagint, now what is that? That is the Greek of the Old Testament. So the Greek of the Old Testament spells it out very, very clearly. It says, to logos. Now to is the article, but the logos is who? It's Jesus, right? All the way through the Word of God, you're going to find the word Logos being Jesus Christ. It is very clear. Well, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that's the Logos. <clears throat> then you have Toluron. Uh, Kuron, excuse me. And what, that's the article that is in front of... Quran, and I'm saying the article because I want you to understand there's a difference here. And then to numatai. The to for for logos and to for the the spirit is means place. What place is the is the logos and the and the spirit under? They're under the Father. It's it's Adonai is what the Greek word is for Jehovah. And you say, well, why does it use Adonai? Why doesn't it use Jehovah? Because the Jewish people do not believe in using or speaking the word Jehovah. They will not use, they will not say the word Jehovah. And so they they put a word in its place, and that's Adonai. So they put Adonai, which is Lord, in the place of Jehovah. And my... Going too fast here? Is anybody understanding what I'm saying here? Okay. So what is being said here is that Adonai is the Father. And you have the echelon of command, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? How do I know that? It's the place. Okay? I can't go into much detail to that because I lose you. <clears throat> and you'd say, come on, just move on, move on, alright. <clears throat> so we see that the, the Trinity is present in Elohim. And the word Elohim is used 2,601 times. Now when he uses the word Elohim, we have to see that all through the chapter, verse, the first chapter, it is Elohim, 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 Elohim. Every time, every time that it's speaking of creation, it's speaking of Elohim. <clears throat> Until you get to chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 4, it talks about Jehovah Elohim. Now what does that mean? That was a wonderful confirmation to me. Because what he's saying is that his father, Elohim. Adonai, Elohim. So what we're saying here is that we're speaking of God, the Father. God, the Son. And God, the Holy Spirit. And all three are involved in creation. Now, someone says, well, 
I don't know how you can prove that Elohim is three. I just did. Now, I think that the passage of Scripture in Psalms is very, very clear. So, let's move on. Now, when we talk about the second verse, or, yeah, the second verse in Genesis, we've established, first of all, that God the Father is the one who is the designer. Okay? God the Son is the one who is the spokesman of the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit is the one who is the dunamis power. He's the one who brings things into existence. He's the one who's hovering over the earth. Okay? Isn't that nice? Ah, You can get excited about that. It's all right. So the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There's more to this verse that meets the eye. The Spirit hovering over the waters, what does that mean? That He's hovering over. Well, Deuteronomy 32.11 tells us the answer here. So if you turn to Deuteronomy 32.11, it gives you an understanding of what it means to hover. It says, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young. So when we talk about hovering, we're talking about two things. We're talking about one stirring, and we're talking about the other sort of like sitting. Stirring and sitting. Well, that's the way... Eagle does. He stirs the nest of the eggs and then it sits. And before you know it, it's got a bunch of little hatchlings. So this is the Spirit of God that brings life. He is the one who's bringing life. Now, when it says that He's hovering over the waters, that means he's stirring. He's stirring the waters. Why is he stirring the waters? He's preparing the waters for the Word of God. He's preparing the waters for the seed. God's Word is the seed that comes into the life of us. We receive the quickening seed of God's Word. Okay? In 2 Peter 3.5, it says, The Word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water. Okay? That is the seed. It is now being brought forth. Okay? Physical life begins with conception. You know that. Okay? And and is birthed through water. The spiritual life begins with quickening. And it and it is brought forth by the word of God, by the power of God, by the washing of the word, by the living water which is the Spirit of God. So you have a wonderful picture here of how that the waters that covered the earth and the earth was brought forth and you have birthing through the waters. The same as it happens with the natural birth. But there's one other... One other thing about this that it speaks of, and it talks about darkness. Darkness that wrapped around. The darkness, the word darkness is koshek. What it means, koshek, means that it's a wrapping around. Now, in the womb, is there a little window there that shines so the baby can see? I had never known that, did you? 
There is pure darkness. It baby is wrapped in darkness. So there's a wonderful comparison between the two. So this is a fetus. The fetus is deep in the darkness of the waters. And Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. Well, let me say that. Let's just look at that passage of Scripture in John 3 and verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> Honey, would you get me some water? Yeah. I am eating cotton right now. <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Jesus answered and said to him, Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows, and that's the same thing as the wind is describing what the Spirit of God, and it is the Ruach, of the Old Testament. So we're both talking about the breath and we're talking about the wind. It's talking about the same thing. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now the amazing thing about what Jesus is saying and many, many people do not understand what it is being said. What is Jesus exactly talking about? Jesus right here, when He says that you must be born again, He's using the term born. And so by using the term born, He's referring to the physical birth and He's comparing the physical birth with the spiritual birth. You must be born again. So therefore you have an allegory there. When, when He says you must be born again, the word is genaho. It is not genos. You say, well, what are you talking about? Genaho means conception. Did you catch that? When Jesus is comparing the births together, the natural birth starts at conception. Well, the spiritual birth starts at conception. You say, well, how's that? It says that we have been quickened. Quickened to what? Life. Life begins by quickening. So He made us alive. Well, where did He make us alive in? If you please, He made us alive in the womb. And in the womb there is complete darkness. Birth has not taken place yet. See? Jesus picked his words very wisely. He said, Ganaho. Generation. Not generation, but uh, conception. Not Ginos, which means generation. So, birth, when someone's born, that means generation. The generations of Noah. The generations of Abraham. We're not talking about conception there. We're talking about the child that's born. You see, people look at that verse and they say, born again, that means that I've been born. But when I try to describe to them that it's dealing with conception, that it's dealing with being quick into life, they say, oh, they get all flustered about it. Why? Why would you get flustered about it? It's just talking about the natural birth that's in, rel- in relativity to the spiritual birth. So there is a time difference between quickening and birth. Just as there's three trimesters and there is, there is the, the time that this fetus is in the womb. Now people say, well, why isn't everybody's conversion like mine? Is your conversion the same as hers? 
Why not? You're married. Why couldn't you have the same conversion? Hmm? Because there's no two conversions alike. Jonathan Edwards wrote a book and the name, the name of it is Narrative of Surprising Conversions. And he writes about the, in the Great Awakening how that there was so many different types of conversions. How that some moaned and cried and, and they were so under such deep conviction. But there was others that just kind of just walked right on in. You know? So there was just a difference in conversions. And it's the same way. And spiritually there is, I mean physically there is some, some babies that are born premature. And there are some babies that are born after that time and mama is just really upset about it. So, so you've got those time differentiations. So that means that there are some people that might get born just almost simultaneously when they are quickened and then they were born. But there are some others that aren't, like John Bunyan in his biography. John was quickened to life. And he was searching for God. And he said, this is in his biography, he said, I was afraid to walk through puddles because... It may be deep, and I'll drown without Jesus. And what was he saying? He was searching for Christ, but yet he was not yet born again. There are some people who are quick into life, and they have not come to a, a new conversion. They have not been born again. Both of my boys were that way. I talked to my oldest son and I said, son, are you ready to give your heart to the Lord? And he said, no. I says, do you know where you go if you die? And he says, I'll go to hell. I said, well, when you're ready, you come talk to me. Four months later, he came to me and he says, I'm ready, Daddy. And I led him to Christ. But it was four months that he was in darkness. And then he came to the light. So that brings us to the next step. Hallelujah, I'm still rolling along here pretty good. It's the creation of light. Now I think that you can probably see where this is going. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. The new birth is from the womb of darkness into the light of the family of God. There are many, many passages of Scripture that speaks about the light. When we talk about being born again, we're talking about genos, the actual birth, the generation. And so the word, the, the, the scriptural word, the spiritual word is regeneration. You have generation is the natural, and then you have regeneration, which is the spiritual. Okay. So when we talk about regeneration, uh, we're talking about God birthing us into the generation of the family of God. Whereas naturally. You are born, or you were born in the generation of your natural family. My children's last names are Cummings. They have the generation of the Cummings family. They were brought into the light. And by the way, I was present with every one of my children that were being born. And they had these great big, big lights. And that poor child is born into such bright light, I'm thinking, man, that is cruel. But that's light coming out of thick darkness into light. Into light. That's the way every one of you came in. And you said, I didn't. Well, I don't know how in the world that happened. (laughs) 
And 1 Peter 2.9 it says, But you are a chosen generation. That's Gnos. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of what? Darkness. He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Folks, that's new birth. In 2 Corinthians 4.6 For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He commanded it. It happened. <clears throat> who shone in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. So when we were quickened, then regenerated, and we are born again by the propitiation, and propitiation is the anointing, not the anointing, but the atonement of God. The atonement of God has two parts to it. So when you're quickened, you're atoned, and you have two parts to it. What are those? One is reconciliation. When you've been atoned, you have you've been reconciled before God, you have reconciliation. Why is that? Because I am no longer an enemy of God. I have been made a friend. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And so Jesus knew that there was going to be that. He was going to regenerate them. And He knew He was going to reconcile them. But then there's another portion to that. And that's justification. The atonement brings forth two parts. Reconciliation and justification. And justification is by the imputed righteousness of Christ. That's why you can go before the Father. That's the reason why we are in heavenly places. That's the reason why we can stand where angels fear to tread is because we have been atoned. We have been regenerated. We have been reconciled. We have been justified. All, all the time when we were just birthed into the light. Day two. God protects His people. In Genesis 1, 6-8, Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Then God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Okay? Those are two 12 hours, evening and morning together, it's 24 hours. You say, Preacher, I can, I can add. I have no problem with adding. Yes, some people evidently don't know how to add. <laughs> God has a canopy of protection. Now when we talk about a canopy of protection, that is that there was a canopy over the earth at this time. Now, John Morris, I'm going to let him speak for me here in just a little bit. He's a, creation, he's a Christian creationist. And he's talking about the firmament. <coughs> and let me just read to you, it's just a short thing, I, I quote. What are some beneficial effects of the water canopy above the atmospheric heaven? Since we believe there was a water vapor canopy, there would be some protection from cosmic radiation. But as, as it were liquid water, 
It would provide maximum protection. This might help to explain the 900-year lifespan before the flood. Now, <clears throat> I, I read on in this article, it's a really large article, but anyway, he was talking about how that under this, this kind of umbrella of protection, it was 36% oxygen. Now, when you go to the hospital and they're trying to help you heal, they'll put you in their oxygen. We are breathing 20% oxygen. Under this, under this canopy, they were breathing 36%. That speeds up. Uh, it speeds up healing. And, uh, and that is the reason why that when people got sick or when people had some wounds or anything, the 36%, man, I like to have that. So, so you have the firmament. It's God's protection. And 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 these in this we see the stages of the new birth, but next now we go to the next stage, and that's the protection that God has for His people. You know, you you I think that sometimes we fail to really realize the providence of God, the preservation of God, which comes under providence. What what that is is that. There are times that God protected you and you didn't even know it. It's the providence of God. God. God does things and He doesn't say, Hey, Luke, I'm going to do this for you. Is it alright? No, it comes out of His sovereignty. And God does what He does because He's sovereign. And I guess He wants us around for a while. Because He protects us. So when he protects us, we have we have what we would refer to as as a protection of his people, his Christian people, us. He has a he has a canopy of protection over us. But there's different different forms of protection, and one other form is a hedge. Job had a hedge of protection around him. It was a hedge that was transparent. No, you couldn't see the hedge. And you have a hedge of protection around you, whether you realize it or not. You may not see it, but God has it there anyhow. And so God began to remove the hedge from Job, and guess what? Job got attacked. He got his things attacked. He got his body attacked. Because the hedge was no longer there. Lord, please don't remove the hedge. I need that hedge. I need that hedge of protection. So when we talk about protection, we're talking about, we're talking about mothers who protect their babies. Right? Mothers protect their baby. When the baby is born and she's going to take this child home, she's going to care for that child. Now, in 1 Thessalonians 2.7 it says, But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own. Now we're not talking about the process of sanctification yet. We're talking about God's protection. God wants to protect His people, especially His infants. He's tenderly caring for His people. His infants, they're important to Him. Because He knows that those children are going to grow up. And hopefully be spiritual men and women. In 1 Peter 2, 2 it says, Like newborn babes long for pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. God, now listen to this. Don't, don't miss this point. God expects babies to make messes. Did you hear what I said? God expects babies to make messes. Do I have an amen for mamas? Amen from dad. <laughs> amen from dad. <clears throat> Parents bring home from the hospital brand new parents.
parents. Haven't raised a baby before. Don't know what it's all about. They didn't realize that that brought a child home that was 100% carnal. That child could care less about you. All that child wants is me. You take care of me. That child is selfish. He doesn't think in his his crib, well, you know, Mama might be doing some things right now, and, and I sure died a minute. If I start crying out, I might be I might interrupt what she's doing. He could care less. I'm gonna cry out, and she's gonna come take care of me, or I'm gonna just keep on crying. That is carnality. And do you realize Paul accepted that? Paul understood that point. And he knew that babies are babies. And they're going to make messes. But I think the church doesn't realize that. I hope you're hearing me now. Don't tune me out. This is not the time to tune me out. Everyone who partakes only of the milk, in Hebrews 5.13, is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for it is an infant. So Paul considers normal babies to be fleshly. If you turn to 1 Corinthians 3.1-3, I will show you what I'm talking about. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, or fleshly, as to babes in Christ. He says carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are not able, for you are still carnal, For where there is envy, strife, and division among you, you are carnal and behave like mermen. Carnality. The word carnality is sarkikas. He uses the same word for the babies as he uses for the adults. He said, you are a bunch of babies. But he didn't say that to the babies. He didn't say, Babies, why don't you act like adults? He didn't say that. He said to the adults, Why are you acting like babies? Why are you acting like carnality? Why, why is, what is your problem? This is not right. He uses three descriptive words, and, and I'll try to go through these quickly. He uses envy, which is say zealous, means jealous, jealous, and jealous of each other. It's kind of like a child. He's got my rattle. I want that rattle. He's jealous. James three sixteen says for. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. That's what jealousy does. That's in James 3.16. And then, in, then the next word he uses is strife. Urus. Contentious spirit. A contentious spirit. Quarreling and arguing with one another. And then he says division. Decasotasia. It is disunion. No unity. Okay, what kind of an atmosphere do we have here? Is it a good atmosphere for babies? There's jealousy. There's strife. There's division. Well, what a horrible place for a baby to grow up in. And so Paul is saying, you, you're acting like babies and you're setting a bad atmosphere for babies. Babies need to grow up. And you don't want them to grow up like that. Let me share 
two other reasons. And please listen to what I'm going to say. Because I mean this in great love. Okay? And don't beat me up too bad when I finish the rain. There are two reasons why churches don't grow. Two reasons why churches don't grow. And you listen to me. First is that they're preoccupied with themselves. Preoccupied with self. What I want for myself. What am I going to do for myself? It's not... There is a spiritual baby there that desperately needs someone to invest their time in that baby's life. Desperately needing fathers and mothers in their life. Fathers and mothers. Paul said you have many instructors. Ten thousands of instructors. But not many fathers. See, the church fails by not being fathers and mothers. They're preoccupied with themselves. Why is it important to be fathers and mothers to those that are babies in Christ? Because babies need the nourishment. They need the milk. They need the milk of the Word. And they say, well, he's sitting under the preaching of the Word, but he doesn't understand that. A lot of it's meat. And it takes someone to come alongside of him and explain to him what is being said. There needs to be a process of being able to teach them. To help them to grow. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the Gospel. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, it says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That is four generations. What would it be like if there was a discipleship program whereby those that are within the church became fathers and mothers and that they went out and they shared Christ and brought them in and became a father to them and became a mother to them. Am I speaking of something that is a choice? I am not. I'm speaking of a command. It is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. That's the command. So we need parents in the church. Parents who love and nurture and invest the lives, their lives in these babies so they may grow to be spiritual men and women. We ought to have generation after generation after generation spiritual babies that have grown up and are making other spiritual babies. And that being too hard? Is that not what Jesus has taught us? This is very important. Secondly, the reason why churches do not grow is because they come like the Dead Sea. How do I mean by that? I mean that there's a pure stream of water flowing into a lake and the lake has no outlet. And after a while, that lake becomes the Dead Sea. No life. If you don't have an outlet, if we don't have a means of evangelism, if we don't have a means, personally, all of us, becoming involved in somebody else's life. 
Hebrews 5.11-13 says. Concerning the high priest, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not salt food. For everyone who partakes only of the milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. And so there was a lack of exercise. There was a lack of putting the word of God into practical application. And because there was a lack of practical application, they became dull of hearing. Now, and by in verse 14, same chapter, it says this, But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice, they have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So what we're talking about here is that we not only talked about the new birth, we have not only talked about how that we are born into the light, and how that we are to protect babies, but the way to protect babies is to become fathers and mothers in their lives. God has given us, and hopefully God will give us, babies. And hopefully we reach out to them, and love them, and minister to them, and help them grow. Let's pray. Father, it's very important that we as a body of believers here this morning realize the importance of being fathers and mothers. And that we need to be able to look at what it means to be born again, what it means to be quickened, what it means to have to be walking in the light. And as we will continue on in this, Lord, we realize that there is responsibilities that you're going to give us. It is responsible for us to feed upon the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you would, by your Spirit, bring us to the place that we need to be spiritually. That we would take upon our shoulders and get involved in people's lives by evangelism, by telling people about Christ, and that once that person comes to know Him, that we take them under our wing, we hover over them, we protect them, we teach them, and that they may go and do likewise, and likewise, and likewise. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share. And I pray that it has been glory to your name. And that's what's important to me, is to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.
the Lord Himself. All because of the blood of Christ that was shed. His body is blood. As we partake of these elements, we uh, proclaim the death of the Lord. We proclaim all that goes with that redemption. He did. Let's pray. Father, we come before You, the very throne of God. Thank You for bringing us into Your family. Thank You for the opportunity to be reminded, to remember what You have done for us. And of course, of what You continue to do and will do. What a blessing it is to share these elements with the rest of the body of Christ, agreeing that we are brought into the family of God. We've been adopted. We've been reconciled. We've been justified. How precious it is, Lord. And again, we are just in an agreement as we have heard the Word of God, as we have prayed according to Your righteousness, Your holiness, Your Word, Your truth, as we have sang, as we've done all of these things that make up worship, it's an incredible thing, and it's really all pointed towards You. It's definitely not about us. And uh, we look to You for our sustenance and the physical things that we need and all the spiritual things. Everything comes from You. So it is a blessing. May we not ever take that for granted. And now as we partake of these elements, may we recognize Your holiness, Your greatness, and we want to magnify that as we have done today and as we continue to do out throughout the day. In your Son's name, we pray, Amen. Amen. We have this blessing as we take of the bread and the cup. blessing it is to share worship time with God's people. And uh, we're very thankful. Thankful for the Word. Thankful 
for the music, thankful for the lyrics that are up here, thankful for the cleaning of this building, people preparing Lord's Supper. You guys, there's a lot of things going on here. People may not even know what's going on, but the Lord is working through all that to make this possible. So, and uh, continue to pray for what um, happens with uh, the building and uh, what the Lord has in mind. I, I have no answer, and nobody does. We just uh, stay uh, alert and awake. Um, my prayer is that we would be able to continue here and things would be fixed. Uh, I think we still have electricity out there in front. Sometimes you never know what's going to happen. And um, so it could be a lot of things. At the same time, we're thankful that we had a place to meet today. Amen. And, and uh, we never take that for granted, do we? Um, yeah, let's see. By the way, um, Zach, who nobody ever really sees too much of, he hides back there the TV and <laughs> he's here. Uh, he, had, he had a birthday yesterday. And he was actually born on Father's Day. I'll never forget that. Quite, that, quite the gift. Father's Day. Carolyn certainly doesn't forget. <laughs> As we allude to what we were talking about this morning there. And uh, then further this week is uh, Mick has a birthday coming up Wednesday. The special days that, that we have. It's just kind of nice to think of it. As we're in the family, you know, and there's the little ones running around, and there's, uh, you know, medium sized people and then older people and adults and all that. Just a little bit of everything. We want to keep those generations going. So I think that's a, that's a very timely message to think about that because that takes in everybody, you know, in that, in that, in, and we are. And so, anyway. Don't we anyway, want to sing happy birthday? Uh, well, do you, you guys want to sing happy yeah. birthday? Okay, yeah. well, we got that. Happy we birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Zach and Nick. Happy birthday to you. And we say amen. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the, all the lyrics, the words, all the, the that enhances our worship, those kind of things, guys. So, you know, I, sometimes I forget all that everybody's doing certain things that that's going on, and um, some probably wouldn't don't even mention it. But at the same time, it's like this this doesn't start. It doesn't happen with uh, two or three, four people, one person, or anything. It's it's the body of Christ. So, are we going to get great. together next week with a meal and everything and celebrate? Uh... Why don't we do that? Why don't we have a bring in uh, potluck. potluck? Yeah, yeah, just pot potluck. You know, we won't worry about it. Just whatever happens, happens. Okay, and uh, if we can't get in person singing, we got a CD. That, that's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we got one. So regardless, but if you guys do come, uh, don't bring any food. So don't you don't have to be worried about we'll that. No, you're worried enough about your trip. And if you do, if you. We should, we're counting on you. Yeah. I'm going to put the pressure yeah. on you because yeah. you said you would probably be here through the 25th. You gave me a guarantee, so there. That's <laughs> you, gave, you gave me. You did do that, didn't you? You gave me a guarantee. I'm not trying to put the spot on you, as you are. <laughs> but that's what I heard, and that's why I played it this way. But we'll see how the Lord works in that. I want to be gracious there. But we did. You're special to us, guys. Very, very special. And uh, ha has it been? Edifying to you in this year that you've been here. They nod their heads. <laughs> Bob, could you close us in prayer? Yes. Thank you, Father, for today, for your word, and for the Holy Spirit to, who has uh, quickened us and made us alive in you. And. Uh, the blood of Jesus that has uh, washed away our sins and for the gospel, Lord, that you are uh, further making us people of the word, people of the book, people who uh, commune together and are, are a family of God and who share with uh, the, the whole family of God in the world. And, uh, so, Father, we just... Uh, Pray that your protection will continue on us and that uh, 
that we appreciate and give thanks to you who is the one true good good father in jesus name we pray amen amen Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. So I can just go to Kickstarter. 